0: Hello Plantpreneurs and welcome to Series 3 of the Plant-Based Business Podcast, brought to you by us here at Feevolution. I'm Damien Clarkson, your co-host and co-founder at Feevolution, where right now we're busy building a new home of plant-based innovators. On this show, each week we explore what it takes to create and scale a plant-based business, and we do this with the best and brightest entrepreneurs and investors who are busy building solutions for a better world. This week my co-host Judy Nadell and I caught up with our good friends Ben and Roxy, founders of SoVegan. Vegan Vegan are a creative partnership and couple and two of the UK's best known plant-based food personalities. They've built a fantastic business around their creativity and passion for making great food. Judy and I have both their cookbooks and to be honest we're always making their delicious creations in our home. In this discussion we cover their origin stories, how they built up a huge social media following, knowing when it was time for them to go full-time in the business, carving out specific roles and responsibilities as entrepreneurs, resilience as entrepreneurs, and managing and building relationships. We feel like our vegan entrepreneur journeys have run side by side with Ben and Roxy, so it's a great pleasure to see all their success and catch up with them in this podcast. So sit back, enjoy, and while you're at it, make some great food from one of their books. Yeah, thanks for joining us today, guys. Thanks
1: for having us. Thanks for having us.
0: Great. So, look, we know each other. Um, for, for a few years, we've been, like, on this journey together, trying to, like, you know, get people interested in in veganism as a, a mainstream idea. But for the listeners, let's, let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and were you always destined to be entrepreneurs?
2: I was kind of always destined to be in music, so both my parents are musicians, and I kind of felt that that was my calling in life. I started playing the piano at age three and violin at the age of seven. And in my heart, that was like, this is my big dream. I want to be a musician. So I went on to university to study music and sound engineering, just because I was really interested in the technical aspect of music as well. So I spent three years studying that. And then I did a placement year at Abbey Road Studios. And I was actually the first female to be in the studios at Abbey Road. And I was kind of like, for me, it was like a big, a goal that I'd achieved. But weirdly enough, at the end of that year, I was like, I don't actually want to be a sound engineer anymore. And I think um, I kind of went back to playing violin. So I spent three years freelancing as a musician and kind of gigging, uh, starting new bands, playing in corporate events, playing on the TV and things like that. But I still wasn't fulfilled enough. There was something inside me that I was like, this isn't 100% what I want to be doing. But after that, I got offered a job working for Coldplay in their in-house studio as an assistant. And I was like, it's Coldplay. I've obviously got to do this job. This is going to be wicked. So I did that for a few years. You can't say no to Coldplay. You can't say. (laughs) No one can say no to Coldplay. Even if you're not a fan. Um, (laughs) So I worked for them for a few years. And still, there was this thing where I was like, I'm not 100% satisfied uh, with what I'm doing. I couldn't really put my finger on it, but I had loads of projects on the side. No matter what job I had, I always had projects going on the side. Quite often with Ben, um, we were doing things together. And eventually we started So Vegan and it wasn't really a business venture. It was, oh, we've turned vegan. How can we share our new love of veganism with as many people as possible? And Ben had a camera. It was really exciting at the time, we were quite young. He had a camera, he'd create some videos and we were like, why don't we create some recipe videos? So that was the project when I was working with Coldplay that was for two years, I was working on So Vegan on the side as a hobby. And eventually we realised that so could be a career. And then it mm. kind of led me to realise that this whole time I've been searching to be an entrepreneur, to be kind of in control of my destiny, to be fully creative, have creative control, have control over, over where the business is going. And now I finally feel fulfilled in what I'm doing. That you know, I've, I've created a business and that was kind of my destiny. But I didn't really realise that at the time. I don't know whether it's being a woman or whatever, whether you just don't have these opportunities present to you at a young age so i was, i was never thinking oh i'm going to be an entrepreneur um, it's I kind exactly of yeah but you're of... always
1: capable of it basically yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. i i, I can't, my background is more i've kind of i feel like i've always been capable of Thinking of interesting ideas and creative ideas, but to be perfectly honest, I always needed someone like Roxy to kind of partner with to kind of see these ideas um, into reality. If that kind of makes sense. Yeah,
2: a lot of people have good ideas, but don't <laughs> exactly. don't go through with them. <laughs> I just, it's like my, hey. <laughs> this is
1: me finally. <laughs> uh, and I think um, I guess we'll get onto this, but we're very different in the way we approach business, and I think we're kind of very ambitious in different ways. So. My upbringing, my parents always told me the most important thing is to do what you enjoy, to have fun with what you do. And I think as a result, my day-to-day is very much occupied with trying to find fulfilment. So whether that's um, creating the best possible video or whether that's creating the best possible recipe. And I think as a result, it's almost day-to-day, whereas Roxy's drive comes from a perspective of really, I think, trying to scale the company and trying to, you know, turn the company from just creating content and creating recipes and creating videos to you know one day releasing food products or doing whatever else and I think having the two different approaches and the two contrasts combined I think is one of the reasons we have been you know relatively successful to where we are today.
2: I mean it helps you kind of keep your eye on the ball and the everyday things making sure that what we're creating is great every day but at the same time not get too bogged down in those day things and being like, okay, where do we see ourselves in a year's time? Where do we see ourselves in five years time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gives us those two mentalities combined, which I think creates a good good product overall.
0: Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. I'm trying to find that space for the the strategic thinking is that is that something that has been a challenge? Because obviously, you guys are busy. You know, you're creating so much content.
2: Yeah, it has been a challenge to be honest. I think because my brain's always thinking like that. I I'm the one that particularly feels quite um, frustrated quite often. 'Cause I'm like, I feel like we're not progressing, even though day to day, like we're putting good content out great, but where's it going? And I think it kind of culminated maybe a month ago when I was just like probably in a little not a bad place, but in a bit of a in a rut. And I was like, I've lost my passion, I've lost I've lost something. I don't know why. But it, it kind of forced us to have a really honest conversation about where we're so vegans going, where um individually like what we feel passionate about what well, want to work on day to day and it forced us to have a conversation where we kind of said to each other let's give ourselves roles because for four or five years we've both been doing everything and it it just got really tedious we were like discussing everything like oh what bowl should i plate this recipe in we had to discuss that for like 10 minutes or oh um should we talk to this investor or should i message this person we'd have to have a conversation about everything for 10 minutes and i was like i can't take this anymore i think we need clear roles that we can just go off and do our own thing, so mm. it forced us to have that conversation. Ben's now head of creative, so that's what he's <laughs> really like passionate about. And he spends a lot of his day looking at a photo and be like, "It's not good enough." Uh, I'll change the color and tweaking things. So he's really passionate about that. So I said, "You take you take that over." But I'm really passionate about growing the business, so now my role is head of development. Mm. So I just because before I felt like we had to decide everything together. So I couldn't move forward unless Ben was sat next to me and I was having a conversation with him. Whereas now I d- I just go and do some research, and I present stuff to Ben yeah. and he's like, Yes, no, yes, no. But and then
1: That doesn't mean that we don't contribute to each other's roles, if that makes yeah, sense. 100%. So for example, Roxy mm. will like contribute to the content side of things and say, I don't think this is good enough, or have you considered doing it or have we considered this doing this? And likewise, I think I can definitely offer some strategic kind of benefits to Roxy's role. So Considering, Definitely. you know, a different way we could approach an investor, or a different way we could, you know, um, consider what we want to achieve in 12 months or whatever it might be.
2: But yeah, I think it's given us a space for maybe me to lead things. So we'll still have those conversations, but I can kind of ensure those conversations yeah. are happening. Because
1: ultimately, now you're the autonomy is on you when it comes to the development. Like mm-hmm. you are ultimately responsible for that. Yeah. I mean, so and likewise it, for the creative so so. if it fails, <laughs> <how laughs> my <Michael? laughs>
2: it's actually this, this
3: scary is like, so, it's so, so interesting we got, we've,
0: we've got the same sofa guys if you're listening we just discovered that we actually have the same sofa as, as Ben and Roxy
3: and we are going through a very similar <laughs> situation to you guys and it's really interesting because I'm relating to everything that you're saying right now and I think there's a lot of people when you especially when um, it is a couple creating a company together or when you are just founders who work really closely together I think it's there is a point when you go from like, you kind of start up to where the point where you have to get to that growth mindset mm-hmm. and like if you're and when you're so used to working so closely together it's very hard to kind of grow because you need to spread out and you need to be able to kind of do different things and it's something and it's exactly what you said having clear roles and responsibilities i think it's so important it's it's
0: literally been the hot topic of conversation around our office for the (laughs) last couple of weeks because you know as our business is changing and Evolution is going to this new era we've got to be more strategic and more streamlined what we Mm. do and we're so used to doing literally everything hand in hand and now we're like working a bit more separately. It's just, it's really t- difficult to adjust yeah. to.
3: And yeah. I also think like, for me, I'm such a person of execution. I like, I love talking and dreaming big, but I'm more like, okay, how are we going to make yeah, this same. happen? Like, it's Ooh. great talking about it, but let's like actually do this. And it's, I really relate to what yeah. you're saying. It's yeah. like very interesting.
1: Well, I think, just quick. So I think the advantage of having two people, you know, working on a business is that you get the sort of collective Uh, insights don't you so like you bring your background and your expertise I bring my background and expertise but I think what's interesting is the threat is that if you're not kind of joined at the top and you don't kind of ultimately share the same ambition and you want to
2: complement each other
1: and exactly and well and you don't want to accomplish the same things that's I think where you do get that tension and I think for us having those clearly defined roles means that we're both trying to achieve the same thing but ultimately our roots to that are somewhat different but that doesn't make it a bad thing it just means that it's a lot more efficient it means that things happen quicker it means that because that autonomy exists we can just um get there quicker if that makes sense yeah and what, like you say just grow yeah.
0: something that's interesting is you know like it started as you said from like a, a hobby passion project so vegan it's like we're vegan we're so vegan we're just gonna <laughs> make some great 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 food and you know and it it, I guess it probably took you by surprise how quickly yeah. it grew 100%. and just to see like see you guys just really you know with the cookbooks and everything that's come after after the growth of the channel it's been it's been really rapid really if you, in the, if you look at it how did you know when was the time to kind of say okay this is now a business and we're going to quit our kind of really cool jobs at Coldplay and and like how? When was that time and how did you know when to make that decision? Cash flow,
1: really. I was literally, Honestly. it's as basic as that Yeah. to a certain extent. Well, it's not basic, but I think just never underestimate how important it is to calculate your cash flow. And I think from a mindset perspective, which I think is where you're coming from, we always wanted to do this full time. That was always our ambition. I take that back, actually. It, it was a hobby at the start, but as soon as mm-hmm. we knew that there was potential, which was very soon after, within mm. months, for example... We started having conversations like, right, where can this go to? What can we do with this? Cookbooks, etc., things like that. We were already destined to a certain extent, I think, to do it full time. But then from a purely practical perspective, we made that switch purely when we started having an injection of capital, whether it's branded deals, whether it's signing our first book. That was, I think, the two. We, We signed a big branded deal and we also signed our first cookbook deal. And that's when our cash flow was like, right, you've now potentially got 11 months at this rate. Where your business will survive if you go on it full time and you pay yourself like a minimum wage. That's when we made the switch and we started going full time and we started introducing more expertise. We started hiring, um, we hired an intern for a while, um, and we started trying to grow a lot quicker.
2: But we did want to go full time soon. I remember again feeling frustrated because in my head I was like, okay, three months' time, we're going to go full time, and it, and it wasn't happening. And I was like, oh my god. Like, this needs to happen soon. And because we were basically working two full-time jobs as well, it was pretty intense. Our weekends were just taken up with So Vegan. Um, so it just also from, like, a mental point of view, we needed to give up our other jobs because it was just getting too much.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it's such a fine balance, isn't it? Because you don't want to kind of give up your like, your kind of full time job so that you put the pressure financially on your kind of passion. Mm. But then there's a fine line where you can't give it your all until you are like fully into that job. And that's all you're thinking about. You're waking up like breathing and thinking about that yep. job with you guys you've created such an incredible following i mean that's part of obviously like one of your main successes that like you've just built this incredible community of people who are just you know passionate about what you're putting out and also the like the way you do it is in such an inclusive way it's just like you you know mm-hmm. I feel like that's what's like one of the main ways that veganism has gone mainstream is through kind of showing all the incredible things that you can do with plants. And you guys have been part of that. How did you go about building that community? Like, how did you, what, you know, are there any tips that you can give like listeners? Because I think nowadays social media is a very difficult thing to kind of um, nail. Um, I think it's much harder on Instagram, especially to be able to kind of build that organic following. Like what were the key things that you did at the beginning? Good
1: question. I think um, for us, we kind of studied, so rewinding right to the start, I think for us, we studied what formats were doing particularly well on social media. So taking it from a from a very technical perspective, when we decided to start creating videos, we did that because my uh, feeds on social media were just inundated with these kind of top-down, overhead recipe videos, and they were all meaty, cheesy, very indulgent as well, to be honest. And there, nothing existed for vegan food at the time, So I remember coming home to Roxy and I said, look, literally, I think I'm open Facebook on my mobile phone and within like two seconds, I was being shown this like steak sandwich or something ridiculous like that. (laughs) And we were recently (laughs) turned vegan and I just said to her, I was like, look, no one's doing this Mm. in this particular format. So why don't we do it? So I think it was relatively straightforward like that. And I think my advice, my tip would be, these formats are always changing. So I think if you want to... Grow quickly. If you want to establish establish yourself on social media, the first thing to do is to understand the platform. Do research. That is relatively basic, like, you know, make some notes about what formats are doing particularly well, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on Facebook and TikTok, for example, and trying to understand how you can approach that but doing it in a new and interesting way. And for us, that was introducing Mm. vegan food to that format. You just need to really learn and educate yourself about the platforms you're gonna be posting content on. I think as well, speaking specifically about content creation, it takes a lot of time, and that's one thing you really have to bear in mind, that if you want to, for example, create videos, we're talking, for us, in the early days, we'd maybe spend you know up to a week testing a recipe, you know, a half a dozen times. On top of that, we're then spending half a day filming. On top of that, we're probably spending a day, day editing. Yeah. And that's just for one video. So it's really important to, kind of appreciate that you know you need to put time aside to create certain like for us at least this kind of quality content that we wanted to create with that in mind you just need to make sure that you enjoy the process because I think if you spend a lot of time doing something that you don't particularly enjoy you're just going to give up after a month or two and for us personally and I'm sure it's with you like we both enjoy like one of my favorite things to do is just test a recipe I literally I'm in the kitchen it's my kind of like I'm not Happy there. place, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <be> <laughs> and literally, all I... I'm the radio's on... And I just spend that time. And it's work, isn't it? You know, this is what we do for a living. And I'm just there testing a recipe and I just enjoy it so much. And I still enjoy filming. Uh, we have someone, Rebecca, who helps us edit videos now. She's fantastic. So we hand over a lot of the editing to, to her. Um, but especially in the early days, we used to really enjoy the mm. entire start to end process. And I think... If you're thinking of investing a lot of your time into doing something like this, you just have to make sure that you get fulfillment from it because you're just going to give up otherwise.
0: So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was how you funded the business today. So obviously, when you had a bit of cash flow with the first book deal, you were able to sort of work on the business full-time. Like how have you how have you managed to fund the business and kind of are you thinking about how you can kind of grow the business and do the whole raise of investment. Thing.
2: Yeah. So we're completely self-funded at the moment. So our revenue streams, are book deals, branded deals, advertising, and we have been speaking about investment for a long time, to be honest, probably at mm-hmm. least a year or two, we've kind of toed and froed on getting investment. I guess for us, you're obviously going to give away equity if you get investment. So that's a big one for us and ultimately the question is do we feel like the business is in a good position right now to get investment and give away equity or do we still feel like we've got more to prove and can we get someone with investing our own money maybe if we're going to food products or whatever it is build an mvp with a limited budget so i think you can do a lot with not a lot of money Mm -hmm. build an mvp get customer feedback make sure product market fit is right and then go for investment so we're kind of in we're always in two minds to be honest and it's
1: Yeah, well, I think from two or three years ago, when we were quite naive to being entrepreneurs and starting a small business, I think we entered into it quite narrow-mindedly, thinking the only way you can scale a business is by getting investment. Because I think if you take a step back and you follow the news or whatever, you hear about X company gets millions of pounds of investment or whatever, you you never really hear about the small businesses raising capital in alternative ways. Um, And I think... We've reached a point of clarity quite recently, I think, which is we were kind of chasing investment and we spoke to a lot of investors and we were talking to them about percentages or, or equity in the region of 25 to 30%, for example, for quite a lot of money. But it kind of spooked us to a certain extent thinking, we think SoVegan is capable of like big things and we're now potentially giving away a sizable chunk of the business when we feel like we've still got quite a lot to prove. So we've kind of taken a step back and started to uh, try to really understand the alternative ways of raising money, whether it's business loans, whether it's grants that might be available, etc. I think a lot of people are able to rely on family and friends to invest money. We're not necessarily in that position, so we need to think of alternative sources of capital. But what we think we can do, at least at this stage, is sort of raise a smaller amount of money, grow the business, You know, create a proof of concept. And then what we think is maybe within a year or two, re approach investors and say, look, here's what we've proven we're capable of with a small amount of money that we raised ourselves. And then either ask for a huge amount more money or give away a small percentage of our business. And I think that's at least the way that, that, that that's what we've learned purely through having conversations with investors and also just trying to have conversations between ourselves about. Mm. the direction we think so big is going in Because
2: so we've spoken to entrepreneurs on both sides people that have immediately gone and got investments scaled really quickly but then on the other side people that have said you know for 10 20k you can create something like have a product in your hands get feedback yeah. you know um you don't need to be raising massive capital so we've to be honest we've probably spent a year thinking about this it's a long time but um ultimately we probably weren't ready either way that's why it's taken us so long
0: yeah, I, I like what you're you're saying there, you know. I think um, there's it's really overwhelming sometimes because you guys have lots of options, right? I'm sure there's investors really keen to invest in you and um, it's sometimes it can be difficult to know which road mm. to take. And, you know, Judy and I had a situation where we nearly took investment very mm. early in the business and, you know, we're really glad we didn't because we needed to work out the business a bit more and grow ourselves as entrepreneurs yeah. before mm. we were mm. ready to do that. So... So actually sometimes waiting can be can be the right the right thing it's it's tricky now though i guess with if you do want to look into products in the future if you're going into retail there's quite big demands on brands if you're looking at a supermarket like they're going to want promotional budgets you yeah. know starting at you know 15 25 000 pounds it's like so there comes a point where i guess you have to like pick a route and, and go with it. Like, I think, I think what really may be a good option for you guys is that you've got such an amazing community, like a smaller bit of money to kind of prove, prove the concept yeah. or prove the MVP of what you want to yeah. develop could easily be done by the crowd. And I think you just do that in a heartbeat. I
1: think as well, another really important thing that we've learned is never underestimate how much information you can get from people who have done this before. So for example, I used to work for a startup company before... Uh, I worked on So Vegan full time, and uh, there were four co-founders. And literally, purely by sitting in the same office space as them and attending meetings with them, I kind of learned a lot about the sort of characteristics or the the, the skills required to be an entrepreneur. And I think, I, and I still rely on them now for advice and and to provide sort of consultancy to a certain extent for So Vegan. And one of them in particular offers us a lot of advice about sourcing funding or um, trying to determine kind of the direction So Vegan needs to go in. Um, And he also puts us in touch with a lot of other entrepreneurs that we've spoken to Mm. about, you know, like one in particular who started a food business and now is sold in like Waitrose, etc. So we spoke to him about capital required to launch a food business. And in our heads, we were thinking we need to raise, you know, £200,000, like you said, and you need uh, to put £100,000 of that into marketing, etc. And he said, one stage, you will need to do that. But he started his business with £15,000. He developed the product. He took that to distributors. He got them to buy into it. And then he started sort of selling quite small scale. But then as a result of that, started creating a cash flow. Started bringing cash into the business and then scaled upwards and then got investment. And I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Mm. So hang on a minute. You're suggesting that we need to raise, what, between 10 to 20, get this you know, product developed to a certain extent. So, it, it just, it, and that's not necessarily a route we're going to take, but it just made us rethink completely yeah. about the direction that we need to go in.
0: And I think you've got such a big platform anyway. You've almost got your marketing yeah. channel Absolutely. down. You know, you're true believers. You know, if you bring out a product, me and Judy would go to Sainsbury's or Cardo and, and pick it out, you know, because we'll see we're see what you're doing. So, I think you've got a lot of those people who will follow what you do anyway. So, you may be their marketing. Mm considerations like you say you can kind of um take care of a lot of well it's, well it's
1: also a great source of trying to determine what to do as well so for example with our second book uh, one Put vegan we actually put polls out on our facebook and instagram channels to say to people without giving away the fact we're coming out with the second book but just saying what recipes do you want to see most so we kind of listed you know you know fast recipes low ingredient recipes and then we obviously listed one-pot recipes and I think it was the overwhelming Mm. choice amongst our community so then we went to a publisher and we said look we've had thousands you know tens of thousands of people answer this poll and the majority answer is that people want a one-pot recipes and I think that was definitely clincher in terms of trying to get that second cookbook deal
0: yeah oh well uh, I love the um the fish burgers the chickpea good! (laughs) And (laughs) make them almost almost weekly (laughs) Um, with, in the breadcrumbs, I think they're absolutely amazing. We really love your cover. We love oh, your yes. We're really big fans, yeah.
3: Oh, and um, how did your how did your first one come about like and how was that process of creating yeah, the, the process like, because yeah. we, we have like looked into it yeah. a little bit and um, it's just really interesting it also it's crazy how much work goes into it and how how quick the turnaround is as well because you kind of think when people put a book together you know especially a cookbook you think oh it's going to take like a lot of time but most people we've spoken to they do it so quickly the photography yeah. the recipe mm. everything it's super I quick. think because the
2: vegan movement is so kind of like hot at the moment publishers and the market is getting more and more crowded there's no doubt about that especially with cookbooks so publishers when they find the book especially a concept that they like they're like we need to jump on this soon because we don't want anyone else to bring out a book that's similar so we both with both books we've had this similar situation where the publisher's like oh this is a great concept let's go with it ASAP so we've had like literally three, two, three months to write cookbooks which is it's nuts It's, it's yeah. it is, has been the most intense thing ever <laughs> So in terms of pitching for a book with So Vegan and 5, we were actually pitching, I don't even know what it was. It, it wasn't a five-ingredient book at all. It was more
1: of a generic, like, yeah, generic, ve- 100 vegan recipes.
2: Buy So Vegan, like, your favourite uh, vegan recipes. Um, and we spoke to a lot of publishers. Veganism was just on the rise then. Um, ears were pricking up. Um, but literally, no one wanted to go in and bid for the book. And we were like, oh my god what we're going to do, no one's interested in creating a book with us. Mm, it was a big
1: load to be honest because yeah. we'd attended quite a few meetings with publishers, we got our hopes up and you know, it's a big step for our business basically this, this to get our first cookbook deal. This
2: is when we were still working full time so we were like, if we can get a book deal, yeah, exactly. this is going to be our gateway to kind of work full time on So Vegan. So we were putting quite a lot of pressure on getting this book deal. So, so it didn't happen first time round so then we kind of went back to the drawing board and we were like, we've got a few options here. We either forget the book deal and we focus on branded partnerships and other revenue Mm. streams. Two, we regroup, come up with a new concept. Um, Well, I
1: remember, it's going to sound quite cliche, but I remember I was on the phone to you one evening, the evening we found out we didn't get the deal or didn't get an offer. And we had quite a frank conversation with each other about like what we want to achieve with this. Are we happy to just create content, get brands occasionally involved and to kind of turn over relatively incremental amounts of money and survive on that or are we going to go back to the drawing board and just achieve this and it sounds a little bit cliche to a certain extent but it was that ultimatum moment for us at
2: that point it was definitely a moment where it's like where's this going for sure and
1: and I think we had to both really kind of encourage each other to get motivated about this to try and achieve that first cookbook deal so Mm. back to the story
2: So uh, we went back to drawing board, and I don't know how long it took, maybe three, three months. At that point, things were moving quite slowly, which for me, again, was quite frustrating. But um, we started thinking of new book concepts, and to be honest, I think it's good that we did, because our mission now is to make it easy for everyone to eat more plants. So that's, whether it's low ingredient, whether it's one-pot recipes, it has really shaped what our mission is, and we didn't really... We hadn't really thought about that before, but we kind of naturally fell into it by coming up with this five ingredient concept for a cookbook. So we came up with this new concept, but then our agent went out and pitched to publishers again. So then this was like round two of like, let's see if they're interested again. So those conversations took quite a while, to be honest. I feel like maybe the momentum had died down a little bit. Publishers were like, yeah, we like it, but not putting money on the table yet. So we just kept waiting and waiting. And by chance, our agent randomly met this other editor from a different um, publisher that we'd never spoken to. And that editor was like, I'm looking for a vegan book. Um, And she was like, oh my God, I've got a vegan cookbook for you. So it was really by chance that they had that conversation and our uh, agent said, here's a pitch. So she immediately loved it, put money on the table. And because that publisher put money on the table, and then the two publishers came in and started putting money on the table, and suddenly you're in a, you're in, you're in a, um, <laughs> yeah. what do you call it, a auction. Auction, exactly. And we're like, we've gone from basically <laughs> no publisher wanting us to now three people being in on it.
1: Which just goes to show that I think as soon as one publisher validated it, the other publishers were like, oh, okay, well, you know, this has got legs. Why don't we bid for it as well? So we just needed that one person to believe in us, essentially, for it then to kind of you know, roll into other publishers.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Question. Did you go with the person who put the first yeah. bid in?
2: Just because we <laughs> were oh, <laughs> not. Nah, just like they obviously believe in it from the get go. But, but yeah.
0: I think this has been a learning as well in
1: the sense, yeah. um I think what we did is we and I think it was the it turned out to be the right decision, but we put our faith in somebody who put faith in us. And I think that's not always necessarily the right decision because I think when you run a business you do need to look out for number one, which is you know your business and obviously we like to think we've got a social kind of aspect to it as well which is environmental which is the welfare of animals but ultimately we need our business to survive so i think Mm -hmm. it's really interesting that we kind of there was a human side of us which took over we were like oh you know this is the publisher that believed in us first let's go with them whereas you know in hindsight who knows maybe we could have gone with another publisher wouldn't be more successful who knows uh and then one pot vegan came out in july
2: yeah, but publisher. with a different publisher. So we went out and pitched again to different publishers. And we're really happy now. We're with Jamie Oliver's publisher. So they're special, they specialize in cookery books, which is fantastic for us. Um, so yeah, that's been our journey.
0: One of the things we wanted to talk about was, we've, we've touched on this a little bit already. You guys um, kind of went from influencers to full-time people running a business. And with that, there's a lot of change. Like one of the big ones is having a team. So how did you go about like, you know, the managing of people, finding the right people and kind of the responsibilities that come with that?
1: Yeah, so we, as soon as we went full time, we had enough capital in the business to be able to expand the team effectively. So we said to each other, let's find somebody who ultimately can help out with various aspects of the business, so whether it's content creation, it could be recipe development, it could be administration as well. And we effectively just hired an intern Um, and she was fantastic, she was brilliant, but I think over time what it dawned on us was um, we didn't actually need somebody to help out with everything, we needed somebody to help out with one specific aspect of our business which was taking up the most amount of time and that's video editing. So what we now what we've now done is we've uh, we worked with a freelancer Rebecca who I mentioned earlier who is the best video editor honestly she's incredibly quick she's really her attention to detail is fantastic as well and it's just a, been a real learning process for us where I think naively to a certain extent we kind of jumped into the prospect of being employers without really kind of taking a step back to determine what areas of the business we actually would be most strategic to bring somebody into. Um, So we've now taken on kind of full responsibility when it comes to, well, we've always done recipe development and video production, but we hand over almost the entirety of the video editing, which takes up the most amount of our time Mm. to somebody else. And that means that we now have more time to talk about, you know, scaling the business about you know potentially releasing products things like that um so that, that was a real learning curve for us
2: it's also um pay UI versus having someone self-employed so we initially when we had the intern she was pay UIE. you have to create enough work for five days a week whereas with rebecca she comes in three days a week she's self-employed we know on those three days there's going to be videos to edit there's no like oh we we couldn't film a video on monday so there's nothing to do um, well, i
1: think just to rewind i think when we hired our intern on payway I think, personally, I'm sure it's the same with you, I felt a sense of reward knowing that we were giving somebody 100%. the stability in providing them the sick pay, providing them with the holiday yeah. pay, etc. It's just for us, from a purely administrative perspective, it was just more workload for us. Whereas, obviously, when we work with a uh, freelancer, there's more flexibility in that we can pay them more money per day but ultimately, there's more flexibility when it comes to the taking time off and things like that. Yeah,
2: the days yeah. that are worked. Also, like admin-wise, it's just an invoice. You don't have to work out national insurance contributions, all that kind of thing. So it is something to consider if you're going to employ someone on pay UIE. You have to do all those calculations, all those kinds of things. Yeah. So that was another learning curve for us. Because I was like, "Oh my God, how do I calculate this?" <laughs> and, and so your
0: team at the moment is still quite lean. It's you guys and then a video editor. Um, you don't. Do you have any financial director or yeah. anyone like that helping? No, no
2: but no. there's other ways for us. There have been other ways to grow the team without spending money. For instance, getting a manager. So mm. um, she just takes commission on uh, money that's coming in from brand and partnerships. Um, so that's taken a lot of the workload off us. We don't have to communicate with brands directly. We don't spend half a day emailing brands about kind of the collaborations and the content but also
1: chloe our manager is so good at her job that the 20 percent pays for itself in the sense if i was to negotiate a deal i would be like give me the money i'll take it whereas what she does is she'll go in and she'll obviously upsell and get that 20 percent on top of that deal so it, it's a no-brainer for us we've got somebody who's fantastic at their job but is also you know a fantastic negotiator um and we ob- we've obviously tried doing that in the past it's just not our well it's not the fact that we're incapable of doing it it's more the fact that I'd rather spend my time doing something else yeah and I think as a nimble small business we've learned that again this might be specific to our area of field but we work with people who can kind of earn money when we earn money so for example we've got a book agent they take a commission every time we get a book we've got a manager they she takes a commission every time we get a branded deal or anything like that um and likewise well this is maybe not similar but we've kind of extended our freelancer team. So we work with another video editor who um, edits a lot of our YouTube videos, for example. So it does that in a particular style different to what Rebecca does. So we're quite nimble in that sense. And I feel like um, as a small business, that's a huge advantage because it means that you can kind of lean on people to do different things without having that huge, well, not huge, but that potential- um, Cash
2: coming out every month. Exactly,
1: yeah.
0: Hello, Damien here, co-founder of Fevolution. So at Feevolution interviewing great founders is just one part of what we do. Our mission as a company is to create a world where plant-based and cell-based businesses grow <laughs> faster in their work to create solutions for a better world. And as a founder, I've been through several investment rounds, I can tell you they can be a long, drawn-out process. So earlier this year at Fevolution we sat down to create an ecosystem and powerful tool Help startups and investors find each other quickly and efficiently. This new platform is now in a live beta. We have hundreds of startups currently fundraising on the Feevolution platform and are being seen by professional investors looking to fund the next generation of plant-based and cell-based businesses. For investors you can learn more by visiting www.feevolution.com investors and joining is simple, and we've already had founding members including Blue Horizon Corporation, Dismatrix, Veg Capital, Kerry United, New Crop Capital, Capital V, and more. And if you're a startup, you can join right now, and it's free. Simply head to feevolution.com and upload your investment round. And we look forward to seeing you all there to create solutions for a better world together. Burnout is something that's really real for entrepreneurs. You know, so many people who've been on this show have like really been to the bottom of the the barrel and, you know, and have found ways to come back. Like, have you guys ever felt like you've been teetering on the burnout, um, at the burnout zone, I guess? And um, and like you said, walking the dog is one of the routines you found to help you, but are there any other things you sort of implement that help you stay kind of sane?
2: Yeah, I think it's not putting too much pressure on yourself. Quite often I'll open Instagram. And there'll be someone on stories, 5.50 a.m., been to the gym today. Make sure you make your, like, to-do list. Then you, like, go smash the day. And you're like, it's 5.30 in the morning. Like, this is the kind of thing that will make me feel a bit anxious that I'm, it's 7.30, I'm still in bed. But you just have to just take a little rain check and be like, you know what? This is my whole life. I can't wake up at Mm 5.30, work through the whole day, smash every day and, like, be a super achiever. It's just the reality of it. Like, I think recently, maybe with getting bento as well, um, it's kind of really hit home that in order for this to work long-term, um, it has to be a way of life. It can't just be like, you know, I'm gonna be amazing every single day at yeah. 5.30 in the morning, I'm gonna it's wake up, days. do my yoga, go to the gym, then I come back, have a coffee, have breakfast, I'm gonna jump on emails and I'm gonna like do a massive deal. It's like, it's not gonna work like that. We have to try and like, interweave it with like, oh, I need to do the washing oh we work from home I need to just like tidy up the flat a yeah, bit yeah exactly I need oh, to ben hoover. T- yeah I need to <laughs> hoover. Or, or like bentos playing around maybe I need to play with bento for a bit yeah that's something I've really struggled with to be honest because I was like Ben why are you not here at nine o'clock we agreed with what started at <laughs> nine and Ben would be like but the bedroom's a mess I don't want to work in a untidy in a, in a, in flat and I'm just like but we have to start working now and I've slowly realized that so vegan is literally our whole life. Even when I make breakfast in the morning at like 8.30, I take a photo for Instagram, that's technically like working really. So for it to be a realistic life, I need to relax a bit and just kind of go with mm, the flow. Obviously I have structure to the day, but don't beat myself up if I haven't started work mm. at 6am and you know achieved all these things during what, the
1: day. Yeah, I think one of the cliches with being an entrepreneur, I think at least, is having to work day and night and to a certain extent there is truth in that for sure and we certainly experienced it I think earlier on where we were working two jobs you know so vegan was our kind of side hustle and we literally had zero time evenings and weekends were spent working on so vegan and I think it was certainly the case for the start because I feel like we had a huge point to prove but I think what we've learned like what he's touching on is we achieve the same amount we do now than we did previously it's just we're more efficient with our time I think um and I think often there's an expectation that I think maybe some entrepreneurs feel like they have to live up to and they have to say to themselves, well, if I'm not you know, going to bed at two in the morning and waking up at seven in the morning and working flat out the entire day, then I'm not, you know, I can't consider myself an entrepreneur or, or I won't achieve everything I've kind of, I've kind of set out to, to achieve.
2: But there is a time and space for that. Maybe you're working on a project and you have to get stuff done. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you have to, you have to. Well, exactly.
1: So, for example, when we're given two to three months to write a book, we kind of don't really have a choice. We literally have to work on top of each other. Things get quite complicated. But we know that there's a goal there that we need to achieve. Mm. And to a to certain extent, we put certain other things aside to be able to achieve that. But I think generally, from a more broader perspective, I think we've certainly learned to try to be more efficient throughout our day to be able to provide ourselves with enough time to relax and spend time for each other spend time for bento see family and friends which i think feed back into the business because without those ultimately you become a bit too narrow-minded and you're too distracted on just achieving one thing which is the business and you forget about yourself
3: 100 yeah and yeah. um, something that we touched upon earlier was about kind of opportunities for female founders and about how um maybe you know i think things are changing but maybe back in the day you know there wasn't as much kind of opportunity and like a platform for for women to kind of discover those kind of entrepreneurial opportunities and something i think that's been amplified over the past few months as well is like lack of representation and opportunities for black owned vegan businesses and i know it's something you guys have spoken about on your channel um and it's something that we're really trying to think especially with this new platform how can we really create and amplify um you know kind of black owned vegan businesses you know female founders um you know people of color founders like how can we like you know make sure that we're providing these opportunities so that we're able to kind of bridge this gap because i think there's so many amazing startups but there's not many startups who've gone from kind of start phase to scale up phase where they've been able to kind of raise the the right investment they need to to get to that next stage and um i'm just wondering like how like you know because i know it's something that you guys and i've spoken to roxy as well in the past about it like is it something that you're like thinking with your channel or something that you could help or any tips just I think to people listening how they can be I guess more aware and like even with like say hiring for example like how people can be more aware just so that within the plant-based movement we kind of make the kind of business side you know really amplifying and making it kind of inclusive and diverse and providing those opportunities
2: yeah I think a lot of it being aware of the problem is kind of like one, a great way of kind of moving forwards with it. Once you kind of know that there's an issue there and that, you know, there's people that aren't being represented in the vegan movement, um, I think being aware of that, and then you, you can personally maybe kind of reach out to people, reach out to brands, and start making those connections, because those brands might feel like, you know, they're not welcome. I think that's the problem with veganism having quite, um, not a very diverse face on the front of it, is those people, we, we kind of risk... The issue that people don't feel welcome into the um, movement and into the community, which I think is a real shame mm. to be honest. Um, but I think maybe us as people that you know have a following online need to reach out to minority people with minority backgrounds that are doing things in the vegan movement, have businesses, need to reach out to them and physically make those connections with them to make them feel welcome and, and kind of offer opportunities up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think from a, um, I think this is quite similar from a business perspective I think I've a lot of entrepreneurs I've met come from some quite often come from quite privileged backgrounds come from maybe they're privately educated maybe they've started their businesses sourcing capital from you know wealthy members of their family things like that and I think the problem that potentially there's nothing wrong in of that in itself but the problem that potentially creates is that people of colour or people from more diverse backgrounds um, aren't provided with the opportunities because there's no role model for them to look up to within the sort of entrepreneurial community. Um, And I think it's really interesting, we were discussing this earlier, in fact, where entrepreneurism as a sort of characteristic, if you like, isn't unique to people from privileged backgrounds. Like if you look at, um, especially in our community here, the amount of, local businesses which are launched and created off the ground from all these fantastic communities we've got we're surrounded by um, a lot of South American communities a lot of African African communities here in Camberwell in South London and they've got fantastic businesses whether it's shops whether it's you know event-based businesses but these businesses aren't necessarily celebrated in the kind of wider more mainstream community and I think the more we can do to celebrate the, these, the more we can do to amplify these, the more we can kind of really celebrate the fact that, you know, um, entrepreneurialism is, is diverse. It just needs to be celebrated more I like know. that.
2: Yeah. Well, I think, um, companies that are owned by people that are from, uh, diverse backgrounds are less likely to generate, like million pound turnovers. They're like on a smaller scale. So it's kind of thinking of ways, how can we like make funding available to people that um, have a smaller business, but want have the dream of getting bigger because, but they don't have family and friends that are rich or, you know, the contacts to um, investors, that mm, kind of thing. Mm. I think it's, yeah, maybe having those conversations and being like, you know, what do you want to achieve? Let's, here's how we yeah i think
3: it's super important and i completely agree with you ben as well like i look at my grandpa who came from russia and like my other grandpa who came from poland to like to the uk and like came you know they came with nothing and then they like created like their business and i never when i grew up i never really saw them as entrepreneurial but obviously that is 100 percent entrepreneurial but i think it's it's a thing yeah. where you're um it's a thing of what's equated, like we what were saying like they may not be making like millions of pounds but they have that entrepreneurial hustle and like it's and it's super important yeah. to like kind of find that and to, to give them a platform and to kind of celebrate it is so important
0: yeah I agree yeah. Um, look you guys had so much success today but what is next for So Vegan what are some of the things you're really excited about
1: <laughs> yeah so like we touched on earlier the way we monetize what we do uh, is obviously through book deals through um, branded deals etc but um, to a certain extent that it's not that we've reached the ceiling in that sense, but we want to diversify the way we're able to monetize so that we can expand our team, we can employ more people, we can kind of diversify what we do. So without trying to give too much away, we're looking into things, whether it's like subscription models, something along those lines, a way we can kind of really um, look at our community and say to them, like, you know, we've got, you know, you you get these recipes on our website, we really Uh, Cookbooks, but here's another way you can kind of consume our content, whether it's in a more premium sense or whatever else, and just trying to really uh, reach what we've created, which is a really global platform, because at the moment we release cookbooks in the UK. We're also quite UK kind of centred to a certain extent, so a lot of the topics we talk about tend to be more kind of UK-based, but we have a lot of people who follow us from literally, you know, huge loads of people from the US, from Mexico, from Canada, lots of English-speaking countries, but also all over Europe as well. So all we're trying to think now is how can we reposition ourselves and think less UK-focused and actually think more, you know, globally. And I think that would be a real benefit to us. Yeah.
0: So what we always do is a quick-fire question round. So just try and answer... (laughs) I'm terrible. There's no pressure. um, So just try and answer these as quickly as possible. Firstly, why do you get up in the morning?
3: For bento. (laughs) What problem are you trying to solve with your business?
1: Uh, We are trying to make vegan food more accessible uh, so that more people can enjoy the benefits of a plant-based lifestyle.
0: This one's one that people get a bit stuck on. What resource has had the biggest impact on your business so far?
2: Can it be something really Mm -hmm. practical, like a camera? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think a camera, really.
3: What are your top three books or podcasts you'd recommend to entrepreneurs? That's a good one for you.
1: Top So podcasts I listen to for entrepreneurs. Obviously, typical one is How I Built This, which is fantastic. That's my favourite. That's mostly Roxy's favourite. I also think, to a certain extent... A slight curveball, but another podcast to listen to would be something that's actually quite distracting to what you do to make you think differently. So, for example, another great one is uh, Crypto Queen on the BBC. Love it. Which is brilliant. I'm still <laughs> know, waiting for the new playing? episode. I, to something be honest, right, yeah? look, t- exactly. I, I heard
0: an advert on the radio this morning for it, and I think it might be out, <laughs> so I need to check my, my feed. Right. <laughs>
1: I will be checking. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so I personally really benefit from kind of listening to things that are slightly more distracting, but at the same time might still provide value to, you know, maybe let's say we want to get into podcasting. then it's really interesting to know like how these podcasts are produced. Um, and then what else do we consume in terms of content? I, don't know. I would or? say like another couple avoid Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it soaks up too much time. No, I'm only kidding. But yeah, maybe... I'm not sure if this answers the question, but use social media yeah, sparingly. that's
0: me. good. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started your business?
2: But it never gets yeah. easier. <laughs> Love that, <it's> so true.
1: <laughs> also, just add that to rely more on your intuition, yeah. I think. Something maybe we underestimated where, yeah. again, certain cliches with what, what I'm beginning to learn it's not quite a quick fire but one beginning to learn with um, <laughs> yeah so far with running a business is a lot of clichés you learn about being an entrepreneur do actually turn out to be quite true
2: <laughs> you are a walking cliché <laughs> but remember,
1: one of them one of them for example is you you the person who knows most about the business is you yeah. and you will ultimately be the person who makes the most and the best decisions and i think sometimes we underestimate that or we have in the past and when we are in discussions with publishers, when we're in discussions with whoever else, I think we need to rely, or we do now rely a lot more on us knowing what's best for our business than relying on other people to tell us, 100%. if that makes sense. So that would be- 100%, I'm
3: all about the gut. Like, <laughs> just quick. like, if, if it doesn't feel <laughs> exactly. right, it's not the right thing. Like, what is your gut saying? <laughs> yeah. What's the biggest challenge you've had to overcome so far?
1: Um, I think I think it is giving each other- the defined roles because oh, I think we we're quite oh, so. sort of um we were almost discouraging of that at the start because we wanted control. us to kind of
2: we both wanted full control over everything yeah, exactly. basically <laughs> and it just doesn't work yeah
1: exactly have clearly defined roles it yeah. was just a challenge but... I
2: think we're happier like we were, we were like always a happy couple but obviously there were days where you're just like oh this is too much but I feel like since we've had that discussion Every day is quite rosy now.
0: Lovely. (laughs) Um, And lastly, what do you do to keep yourself sane?
2: Um, Walking, exercise, getting space from each other. Not in a bad way. I'll just be like, oh, I'm just going to sit in the bedroom one evening and watch like some netflix you can have the living room
3: just giving it to the space occasionally i'm awful that i'm such an introvert so well not not me i'm an extroverted introvert so i really recharge i recharge <laughs> my own but damien is so extroverted he loves yeah. like spending time with me all the time which is amazing but i'm sometimes like i need my own space yeah, yeah
0: totally. <laughs> look it was so nice to catch up with you i really hope we can catch up in real life soon um and, for absolutely. yeah for everyone listening how can they follow the so vegan journey can they get in touch with you? Cause I'm sure there's a bunch of investors listening, wanting to get in touch with you and um, brands maybe. Yeah. Uh, how can they do that?
2: Um, so you can email us at info at we are so vegan. If you want a direct line or uh, on Instagram, we're at so vegan, facebook.com forward slash so vegan, YouTube we're so vegan. It's basically just Google so vegan and we'll, yeah. we'll come up. Hopefully.
1: Definitely. And our, our DMs are open. So anybody's got any questions, whether it's, similar people in the same position or maybe they're starting off with a channel where they want to ask us any questions absolutely so Brilliant. just fire the way
3: and thank you so much for all the support you've given us yeah, like yeah. honestly you guys no, are the best no and we love you best, <laughs> right, okay. we love you too thank you thank you so much
0: <laughs> okay see you soon Take
1: thanks back. guys
0: Hello Damien here and thank you for listening to this episode of the plant-based business podcast brought to you by us here at Feevolution. So if you head on over to feevolution.com you can join our community of investors and startups and people building solutions to a brighter future and if you enjoyed this show please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a positive review it really helps us in getting the message out there and getting more people to discover all the positive stories that we're sharing. You can of course give us a social media share. Please tag us at Feevolution. We're on all the social media channels and you can email me at Damien at Feevolution.com if you want to reach out directly. Uh, we love hearing from you, you listening to the podcast. I'm honestly amazed at all the messages we receive and you know, it really gives us the encouragement to keep making this show for you and um, all your feedback is always appreciated. And as always, a big thank you to Bridie Addison Child who edits this podcast and for all our guests and all of you, our listeners, for supporting the show. So thank you and until the next time.